faith without good deeds is dead. So it basically just says like, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? You know, just talking about like, you could believe all you want, but you got to put the work in. So that applies to basketball too. It applies to anything in life, but you can, you could say something, but you just got to put the, the work behind it too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you know about Benchmark? They're speaking the facts that you wanna hear. They rip a jersey, the vision is clear. Diamonds glisten like a chandelier. You know what I'm here for, like Michelle Lynch. It clutch time, we do not flinch. Real brothers, we do not switch. Hit home runs with the right pitch. Who run the city? What to do when they're hating on you? I feel like Kobe 2010. Taking an L, all I need is a win. This is business, you know how they go. They playing the seats, now it's time to grow. Tune in now, gotta be in the know. Showtime, bitch, my body blow. We know. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Bitch Mob ENT. Today we got a special guest. We got Coach Adams in the building today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, doing well. Just uh, living the dream, I would say. Hey, that's a great, great place to be at. Before we start, you already know the house rules. Like, share, subscribe, share it with a friend. Make sure that you check it out. It's on YouTube and all streaming platforms. Where did your love for sports in general start? Because, you know, you got track, basketball, you're coaching now. Where did that love for sports start for you? That's a good question. Uh, it definitely started with basketball. Like, that was my first sport where I was like, okay, like, this is something I want to take serious or, like, really dive into it. Um, more so, I'd say, from, like, a, a research perspective. Like, I was really big on, like, knowing who all the NBA players were, what their stats were. I was looking up like draft picks and things like that. So I think it started from an early age in basketball. Like I played mountaintop league and was into that, all that type of stuff. Um, the other sports were kind of just like other things to do, but it was really basketball. I knew it was like my main love and everything. So then how did you get into, into track then? Because we'll get into that later, but obviously – Mm -hmm. elite track athlete in South Carolina but <laughs> how did you end up getting into track then yeah so it was funny I knew I wanted to do like other sports besides basketball I thought I was gonna be an NBA guy like everybody thinks they're gonna make the NBA um so I was like okay maybe I could do track just to like stay in shape and do that like I had never done track before started my freshman year um, and got into like long jumping, things like that. That was when uh, when Coach Illy was uh, coaching track. He had no idea what he was doing, but um, he would he would try to help me. And I had a good sophomore year where I think I was like third in our conference or something like that. And I was like, okay, maybe this could be something I could keep doing. Um, and then junior year was really what kind of hit it off. Uh, junior year, I made the state uh, the state meet and then qualified for nationals. We had a new coach, who was Coach Blake. And she was like, oh, you could really do this track thing. And then at the same time, it was my junior year. Basketball wasn't really working out. Uh, that was when Dwayne hit his uh, his growth spurt and started dunking on everybody. So I was like, I can make an executive decision here. I'm like, I could either try to play 
or I could try to beat out Dwayne. And I was like, Dwayne's pretty good. I, I think I'm gonna stick with this track thing. So that was that was kind of really how it happened. Oh man, I remember those days, man. Um, for you though, right? So mm-hmm. what makes a good jumper, long jump? Like what makes somebody actually good at that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's like you see dudes that have like jumping ability, like, you know, guys that could dunk and things like that. But I think long jump and triple jump is different to where like you got to have a disciplined approach. You got to have the steps right. You got to have almost like a routine where like you can do the same thing over and over again because it's not like you could just jump from anywhere. So you got to be able to hit that board like that's that was probably the hardest thing. And what I learned when I went to college was like just being able to train your body to like run the same way every time and like always hit the board and all that type of stuff. Cause it's a bunch of guys that can jump far or, you know, jump high. It's just like that routine of like doing it within the rules is the, is the hard part. I would say. I would definitely have to agree that meticulous, just keeping it mm-hmm. the same, same thing, which, you know, in basketball is different. You could switch it up here and there. Right. Right. After you get the footwork down, you could you get fancy with it. With that, mm-hmm. you gotta be straight with it. Yeah. You, right. So you ended up going to South Carolina. Why South Carolina University? And for you, what was your recruiting process like? Yeah, so it's a, a funny thing because I, I recruit guys now all the time and I tell them my recruitment was nowhere near what the guys go through now. Um, so I was looking at a bunch of schools, especially down south, looking all over. I looked at like Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Ohio State. I looked at Hampton trying to think rider maybe in state um I picked South Carolina because it felt most like home um like I liked the weather the people were really friendly um I think maybe in particular like I felt like the vibe was a little bit more black like the workers were black like it seemed like it was more homely like you know somebody that looks maybe like your aunt or grandma or something is, is making the food in the dining hall so like I felt like that was the best vibe. Obviously, they gave me a good, you know, package scholarship wise and things like that, too. Um, But it came down to South Carolina and Ohio State. So I originally most people don't know this. I originally committed to Ohio State Mm -hmm. like uh, this was back when everybody was on Facebook. I put it on Facebook. But then it was like a week or so later, the South Carolina coaches called my mom and they were like, why is he going to Ohio State? Like, what's going on? Um, And then my mom was like, well, you know. It was because of this and that. Um, What I thought was I had heard from somebody that like I had to jump a certain amount to make the South Carolina team. And they're like, no, that's not true. He can like, you know, hop on and just like prove himself and make the team. So once I heard that, I was like, okay, I'm thinking about it. And then I switched back to South Carolina. Um, And then Ohio State came back again. After I had said I'm going to South Carolina, they're like, okay, like what's it going to take for him to go to Ohio State? Um, Because at that time it was, you know, track is like partial scholarships. They're like, what if we offer him a full scholarship? I was like, hmm. So my mom called me. It was like a random like Friday. She was like, well, Ohio State just upped the offer. But at that point, I was like, uh, I was kind of over the process at that point. So I just stuck with South Carolina. But I think that was a a good decision overall. I think we can say looking back on it, it definitely was a good decision. Yeah, definitely. Especially especially the point that you mentioned it feeling like home and you Mm -hmm. see people looking like you respectfully that wasn't going to be probably a lot of that at Ohio State right right it was the crazy thing was when I went on my official visit it snowed and it was like April and I was like I was like I don't know if I could do and they and they had to track me outside (laughs) no and I was like I don't know if I could do this 
Nah, that's something different. <laughs> that's really different. Yeah. You now you're into you're into coaching, right? So mm-hmm. what went into that thought process to actually coach and why basketball and not track? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, track kind of like I said was always more like a a thing to do on the side and things like that. My passion was really basketball. I knew even even if I ended up playing basketball in college or whatever I did in college, I wanted to be in basketball for a career. Um, like I thought about being maybe an agent, maybe being like a GM of a team or something like that, just kind of working in basketball in some way. Um, I settled on coaching because I did a couple internships. Like I worked with Princeton basketball for a little bit. Um, I worked with this random like baseball team in Atlanta, like this travel team. And I don't know anything about baseball, but just like being able to like, coach those guys and kind of mentor them that was like what got me into coaching just seeing how you can like you know affect young people's lives through coaching and mentorship and all that so I just pretty much like dived into it and you know it kind of stuck so yeah I was doing the research your resume is long you put in the hours put in the work getting long now yeah I know (laughs) it kind of reminded me like Eric Spocher like how he started like in the video room and got all the way up to head coach so I think that was really dope, your uh, journey going into becoming a head coach. It wasn't like mm-hmm. people that offered a name or mm-hmm. the connection and just got a head coaching job with no experience. So, right, right. Um, for you, right, from the high school aspect, the collegiate aspect, and now in coaching, one would say, looking at your life, that it has been successful. You've been winning on each level. How would you say that your faith, has helped you in this journey through your life from high school, college, now to being a coach and, like you said, affecting the next generation of athletes? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say it's definitely helped because, you know, sports is hard. As anybody's anybody who's ever tried to be an athlete or tried to win at something, like, it's hard. You don't always win. Um, I've had seasons where I've coached where we've won, like, one or two games in the whole year. You know, I've had, uh, obviously – with me playing basketball, I was like in and out of the lineup, not necessarily playing as much, but what kind of keeps you going is like that faith and just kind of knowing, you know, you have something else to kind of go to and something else to believe in. Um, Especially at, you know, now I'm at St. Elizabeth University, which is like a Catholic school. um, So you're kind of able to express your faith a little bit more. Um, Like we just started a, uh, a chapter of FCA, which is like Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So we have couple of my guys go we have some you know basketball players soccer players baseball players that'll go to that so it being a catholic institution you can kind of express whatever faith you kind of have and it's not really any repercussions but i would say yeah it's a it's a big part of what keeps me going because you know coaching is a up and down thing every day is something you know you're really just like you're relying on a lot of young people and we know young people make mistakes every day so you just got to have, you know, faith and be grounded and just know that, you know, you're doing it for a higher purpose. It's not just, you know, wins and losses, but you're doing it for a higher purpose. That's definitely something to keep in mind, uh, the higher purpose. And sure, you already know, like the scripture that says you should do everything unto God. So even coaching, playing, you're doing it as unto God with a spirit of excellence. So mm-hmm. I think that's dope. And I think that's something that for believers, you always have to keep in mind. Like you said, in the hardest times, one win, two win season, what keeps you going? What keeps you coming back? So mm-hmm. 100%, that's important. Now that you're a coach and you mentioned, you know, the recruitment process for you and what it is now for players yeah. 
and how different it is. What are your thoughts on the transfer portal? Like, how do you feel about this, especially being a coach? Because literally, you could get in a guy tomorrow and can play immediately, no waiting time. So what's your thoughts and feelings on the transfer portal? Yeah, so I have a couple thoughts. I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday. I have a couple thoughts about it. Like, when I was in college, it used to be more traditional. Like, if you transferred, that means you really wanted to transfer. Like, you were willing to go to a school, sit out a year and then play. So like you really wanted to do it at that point. Um, but now I feel like it's gotten to the point where I think we've we've given the players some freedom, but I think there's a little too much freedom. Um, like I, I understand if a, a coach gets fired or you know, you're missing home or whatever, the grandma got sick or something like that. Like those are, are good reasons I think to transfer. But I think now it's become like, OK, I'm not playing and I, it's hard. So now I want to transfer to another school because the coach said I could play here. Or it's like, you know, I think the worst thing now is that we have like actual like college basketball stars transferring, um, like guys that like play 30 minutes, you know, NBA prospects are just like, OK, I went to this school for a couple couple years. I want to go to another school, maybe because the bag is different or something like that, you know. Um, so I think in that aspect it hurts because teams can't really build programs anymore. It's really just like a year to year thing. Um, you might get somebody one year and, you know, you can't really expect to keep them, uh, especially the lower D ones, like anybody that has a good year at low D one, they're going in the transfer portal because somebody's, you know, poaching them. Um, but from the other side, I think it's good that it holds coaches accountable now too. You know, you can't really just treat anybody however you treat them, because it used to be, you know, once you sign with a school, you're not really leaving. So the coach could, you know, bench you or yell at you, whatever it is. So now I think you have to be more careful as a coach to like really deliver on what you promised them in recruiting. So you can't just lie to kids or you can't just say, oh, you're going to be the star and then switch it up. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think that's why, because we haven't in my two years, we haven't had really anybody go in the portal. We have one senior in the portal now, but um, we haven't had a, a mass exodus of kids. And I think that's part of why, like, we tell kids, honestly, like, it's going to be a competition. It's not going to be, you know, oh, you're the guy coming in. It's going to be, hey, you got to practice. You got to beat out the guy next to you. If you do, you'll play. If not, then you got to keep working. So, um, but yeah, overall, I think they need to put some more restrictions on it. But I think it's overall a good thing for, for the student athletes. I was about to say, definitely need to be some type of parameters on it, like a committee, maybe even a, all right, so you want to transfer and maybe they got to go before the committee and explain mm -hmm. why you want to transfer, not just, you know what, I heard I can play more at St. John's, so I'm leaving at St. John's, or mm -hmm. you know what, the NIL is different over in Florida, I'm going to go to Florida because there's more money there. So yeah. I, yeah. I completely agree on that regard and to the point of coaches being held accountable too. You look at college, coaches are dag near like gods on the university. They can mm -hmm. do anything, whatever they want, and they were able to get away with it. Now it's a little bit harder to do so. As a coach, too, in this collegiate space, you see it sometimes on the high school level, too. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on NIL? Yeah, so it's funny. When I was in college at South Carolina, I, did a, I was a sport management major. So I did my thesis, my senior thesis on the possibility. It wasn't called NIL then, but it was just like, 
you know, about uh, really it was like the Ed O'Bannon case with NCAA football and how they had all the players, you know, you could like download the roster with all the players' names, but nobody was getting any money for it. Um, so I, I kind of talked in my thesis about like the possibility and if it was good or bad. Um, I think my thought then was that it was going to be bad. Um, but I think overall, I think it's a good thing for athletes, um, but it's not a good thing from an overall, you know, college sports landscape type of thing. Because um, you see, you know, athletes are making decisions, like we said, based on who can give the most NIL money or, you know, if if somebody comes in and they're making, I don't know, let's say 100,000 NIL money, and then the next recruit next year comes in and makes 200,000, that kid might go into the coach's office and say, what the heck, I want some more money, you know, so it's like, it's like, are we really, are we really keeping it college? Or is it has it become like, where it's almost like a pro thing? And it's like, you got to outbid people almost like the NBA, you know, the NBA is like, you know, people are going to go where the most money is. And that's kind of what college is turning into. So from that perspective, I don't really like it as much, um, but I do think athletes should be able to make money. Uh, I just think at the high levels, they're going to make sure they make like ridiculous amounts of money. So I think it can get out of hand. And uh, the thing that I think is coming down the pipeline, which might slow it down is, you know, we don't really think about it, but when you're making all that money, you know, those taxes are probably going to come at some point. You know, it hasn't yet, but I think at some point the, the government's going to say, look at these kids making 100,000, 200,000, you know, they want their cut too, the government. So um, I think that might, that might slow things down a little bit, but we'll see what happens, you know, in that regard. That is, that's an interesting point too. I don't think people think about the, the governmental aspect. They definitely don't want they cut. Mm -hmm. To your point, like, it's only... I think a number was 18 and 19 athletes that are making actually six figures mm -hmm. and breaking it down. Some of those top athletes aren't even the best on their team. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying no names, but it's a couple right. people that a couple athletes you look and it's like the best person on the team is making way, way, way less mm -hmm. person has a social media follow. Right. right. Getting more money. So I think is imbalanced period and it's going to cause an issue at some point like you said some athlete somebody's going to take a stand like this isn't this isn't right i'm averaging 25 and a mm -hmm. person that has 2 million followers is getting more that's riding the bitch nah it's, mm -hmm. it's going to cause an issue one piece of advice to any athlete that is trying to play at that collegiate level whether it's the d1 d2 d3 level any piece of advice for them yeah, I would say I probably have a couple. Um, I'm going to do the cliche, you got to have your grades right thing. But from a from a different perspective is we see so many kids that are talented, you know, personable. They probably would fit in the college system. But then we go to the transcript and it's like, dang, you weren't doing any work in high school, you know, so like. I think it's a thing where like, you gotta have your grades right, especially that's whether you're going D1, D2 or D3. Um, just having your grades in some kind of order, no one has to be a 4.0 student, but like, you know, you gotta have your grades right or a college is just gonna scratch you off the list. Most colleges, that's how they scratch you off the list is checking your grades. Um, so uh, that's the first thing I would say. Second, you gotta do your own kind of advocating now with it you know, craziness of the transfer portal and there's 
transfer portal, there's JUCO, there's prep kids, there's high school kids, there's international now. There's so many kids that can possibly go to a college. Like you can't just sit back and hope that somebody comes to your high school game or hope that your coach reaches out. Like you got to do it on your own uh, more than any more than anything now, um, because coaches like, you know, we want to get that information, but we sometimes don't know about kids. We're only you know, my staff is only me and two other coaches, so we can't know every kid in New Jersey or every kid across the country, um, but it helps if you you kind of reach out. Um, and then the last thing I would say is knowing knowing what you actually want in that college and recruiting experience. Because um, I do, you know, whatever, 100, 200 phone calls in a year to different kids, and I ask them what they want, and most of them are like, oh, well, I don't know. You know, but that doesn't really help the process of like, you know, actually picking a school that fits you. Because my biggest thing is, you know, there's a bunch of guys that are good at basketball, but like if you don't fit St. Elizabeth and what it is, like we're not a party school, we're a smaller school, you know, we're mostly minority. Um, our guys are, you know, they mostly hoop. That's what they do. They hoop, they eat, they play video games. That's about it. So, you know, if you're looking for something else, it's probably not going to fit. But if you don't know what you want, then it's hard for a college to kind of say, okay, he might be a good fit or he might be a bad fit. Um, I think when you cast your net too wide in recruiting, that's how you end up not really finding a school that's for you. Um, like it's okay to say, I don't want a small school or it's okay to say, I want to be close to home or I want to be far from home or say, you know, hey, I want a team where I'm going to start right away or I want a team where they're winning and I can, you know, uh, develop. So I think just, those three things, the grades, uh, advocating for yourself. And then when a college actually calls you, knowing, you know, being able to say like, hey, this is actually what I want out of this experience. Hey, for those watching, those listening, a bunch of gems of wisdom right there. Speaking of St. Elizabeth, what would you say is your calling card, your brand of basketball as a coach? Yeah, it's a good, good question. So I was never an offensive guy. Uh, so. I was more a defender, like kind of like I played center at 6'2", which was terrible, but that's another story. Um, but I was like the guy in the back, like calling out everything. I kind of helped, you know, all the other players that we had uh, be their best because I was able to call out what a screen was or um, what the action was. I might have seen that play before. And I was like very cerebral in that way. So I'd say St. Elizabeth basketball has really been a, a defensive team. Uh, the past two seasons, we were, I think, second in the league this year. And then the year before, we might have been first or second um, in overall defense. So that's kind of been our calling card of like, you know, pressure defense. We've had guys that block shots and take charges. And then we kind of turn the defense into offense. We have a lot of athletes on the team. So um, our defense is kind of what sparks our offense. We're able to get in transition and we have a great crowd. They, they're, they you know, always hype and things like that. So I'd say that's been kind of our style of play, really pressuring and then, um, you know, getting out in the open court. Um, on offense, we we kind of play uh, kind of like a, I guess, an even type of offense where we're, we're going five out, four out. Uh, we have a lot of guys that can get to the hoop and drive. And uh, we just like really try to just exploit mismatches more than anything. Um, but our main thing is playing up and down in transition because we are like a really athletic, fast team and everything. That yeah, we had we had Nazir on, and he said before he got there, he wasn't really focused on D, but once he had he was with you, he's been focused <laughs> on defense for sure. 
Yeah, I'm not a uh, I'm not a huge yeller, you know, as a coach, but that's what I yell about is is if you're not playing defense or if you're not playing hard, not rebound, and that's what we yell at the guys at. We we tell them like the offensive stuff, you know, it is what it is on offense. You're gonna make a shot or not, but on defense, that's what we can control. So that's what he said too. He was like, it's different. I've never had a coach that's not really like yelling all the time. He's <laughs> like, Coach James is kind of laid back. I was like, yeah, he's been. He's been like that since I've known him. Pretty laid back. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, collective. So I like that. I personally like that style of coaching. That's just just me. I like that. Phil mm-hmm. Jackson, Teron Lou. Like mm-hmm. when I need to, I'll, I'll yeah. But besides that, I'm I'm chilling. I've already coached y'all up. Right. Which I gotta do. Fourth quarter, end off the show. What's your favorite meal? My favorite meal. I would have to say chicken parm. Yeah, definitely chicken parm with some pasta like underneath or something like that. That's a that's a good meal. You could eat that like for dinner and then probably eat that the next day for lunch. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. What's your favorite what's your favorite scripture? My favorite scripture. Ooh, that's a good one. It's definitely out of James because that's my name. I'm trying to think what it's called. Dang, can I look it up real quick? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me look it up real quick um it's definitely out of james because james has some gems in it i would say let me look at it james yeah let's see what it is oh it's yes it's over here um it's definitely james two like 14 down basically basically like faith without good deeds is dead so it basically just says like if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions can that kind of faith save anyone you know just talking about like you could believe all you want but you got to put the work in so that applies to basketball too it applies to anything in life but you can you can say something but you just got to put the the work behind it too hey for those that don't know i know you know it's everything in the bible you can relate and translate mm-hmm. to everyday life so right. that's definitely a great scripture a great chapter the whole book of james from one to five that mm-hmm. just read the bible y'all for those watching listen just read the bible read the bible there's a lot of good stuff in there five coaches that you would like to have as a mentor nba coach college coach that are alive five coaches that come to mind that you would like to have as a mentor i would say Phil Jackson, like you had kind of mentioned earlier, Phil Jackson, I think he was a really good, uh, really just manager of people, like different stars, like he had Jordan and Kobe. Um, I would say John Calipari for the recruiting side, because I, I still think it's amazing some of the teams he put together, uh, just like with all freshmen and being able to manage whatever the craziness of that was. Um, I'll say John Wooden. Because he mm-hmm. he had all them them titles. It was crazy winning all those titles in a row. Um, I got two more. I'll say, hmm, I'll say Doc Rivers, because I think he draws up some good plays. Um, and then last guy, well, let's say last guy. Last guy, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Mike Brown. Mike Brown. I like uh I saw one of his mic'd up sessions and he seems like he's a pretty, pretty cool coach, like kind of understands it, like 
I think he's been at a bunch of stops, but like kind of understands how to manage players and pros and stuff like that. Like he's not yelling all the time, but he, you know, gets his work done. Yeah, Mike Brown, cool coach. That's my coach of the year this year. I think that that's a good five right there. Mm -hmm. Favorite thing to do that has nothing to do with sports? Nothing to do with sports. That's interesting. I would say it has nothing to do with sports. Because I'm so competitive, like everything I do is is something competitive. Um, that has nothing to do with sports. Hmm. I would say I would say watching. I watch The Office in my in my spare time. That's that's one of my favorite shows of all time. The the comedy I think is I don't know it's it's like generational comedy. Office, one of the best shows ever created, hands down. You can watch it at any point. Yeah, just had my like a couple months ago. I just had my wife go through the whole all seasons. Okay, okay, she loved it. So yeah, that's definitely. Who's your NBA champion this year? Ooh, my NBA champion. I'm gonna say, you know, it's funny as I as I am a college coach, I don't follow NBA as much, but I know obviously who's in the running and things like that. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the dark horse. I'm going to say Denver. I think no one's picking Denver, but I think they're a really good team when they're clicking. Denver, hopefully for Jokic's sake. I know. Yeah. If, if they don't win this year, it might be it might be a different team next year. For sure. Last one before we get you out of here. And again, we thank you for hopping on with us. You were around some of the best talent in multiple sports in West Orange high school history. Give me, in your opinion, the best three athletes, any sport from West Orange high school. Hmm. That's a great question. You should have asked me that before so I could have thought about it. But uh, let's, <laughs> let's see, because I've seen a lot. Even my freshman year, there were some good athletes. Uh, I'm going to go with, I won't say myself, I won't do that. Um, I'm going to say Quadir Tudor was one of the best, uh, jump like 6'10 and high jump. I'm going to say for basketball, hmm, I'm going to go with, for basketball, I'll go with uh, Dwayne for basketball, uh, just for the fact that he was able to make pro out of West Orange, I think is, you know, crazy. They should have something up in the gym. You know, they should have his picture up in the gym or something like that. Um, something. Yeah. And then lastly, I'm going to say best athletes. I'll go with, I'm going to go with my boy, Gerald. I'm going with my boy, Gerald. Gerald, I tell people all the time. Gerald, even to this day. Yeah, Gerald's still athletic. Play basketball here and there. When he was, when we practiced with him. It was he's just like the closest thing that I've seen personally to like a freak. Mm -hmm. He could do any sport, yeah. In any sport, and to this day, fast, strong, can jump. And it looks so effortless with Gerald. Mm -hmm. It looks so effortless. Oh man, that one day somebody needs to do a documentary. I know. <laughs> West Orange. There's been a lot of talent that's come out of West Orange. I know. I, I tell people it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't think, but it's just like every year, especially those couple years that I was in high school, we had some really big time athletes. 
big time. Like it's underrated the amount of talent that's come out of West Orange, even if they didn't go to West Orange High School. But at some mm-hmm. point, it was in West Orange. They went to Roosevelt, Liberty, mm-hmm. and then they went to a different high school. But it's a lot of talent. Yeah. That's West Orange. Man, thank you for hopping on, taking time out of your schedule you. with us, man. We appreciate you. Y'all know the vibes. If you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Bench mob, we out. Peace.